This is EBC One, and now the news with Brack Middleton. At six o'clock, this is tonight's top story. There has been a tragic accident on low in the coral system as two transports collided in the skies above New Junction yesterday morning, raining devastation down on a residential area of the city. We now go live to our correspondent, Smooth Furnace, who is in New Junction. Brack, I'm standing at a first aid station set up just south of the crash site. The human toll of this tragedy is just beginning to be clear. Dozens of residents are injured, hundreds permanently homeless, thousands don't know when it will be safe to go home. Let me see if I can get a comment from one of the victims. Uh, miss, miss, can you describe what happened today? Well, I woke up to go get me a cold pop. And then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. <laughs> then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. My thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me at the range point four. This is control, be radial, keep calm, and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, citizens. You're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 19 and was recorded live on April 19th and was made available for download April 22nd at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. And I'm Tony. So what do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Skulk Box, we let you meet some brand new friends of ours. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, 10 for the Chairman, Episode 16, Wingman's Hangar 66, and the continuation of The Next Great Starship. We let you guys pick the ship for this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, so we bring you everything that there is to know about the Avenger from Aegis Dynamics. Before we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in in the conversation. Sits and Sivs, we are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. We're especially looking for an audio engineer to come and join the team and assist with our weekly shows. So if you've got a creative itch that just needs a little scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, and that's labor with an O-U-R. But we do look great on a CV or resume, and that's a resume with a little accent mark above the last E. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everybody. This week we've got a special guest with us, Rico from The Base. He is a star citizen radio station that has just begun syndicating guard frequency. Rico, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Yeah, oh, I'm fine. Good. Doing fantastic. Okay. Thanks. But uh, let's talk about uh, your radio station. What is The Base? The Base is Star Citizen's premier online radio station, which is uh, Star Citizen-centric, and we try and please the whole community in general and supply perfect music for everyone. 
Well, I'm sure that's not a hard thing to do ever because pleasing everybody in perfection are two like, you know, low ball goals, kind of low hanging fruit. I'm sure you no, no sweat at we're, all. We're doing it really well. That's what I, I would assume. I would assume so. So uh, when can folk tune into the bass and hear Guard Frequency? Guard Frequency is replayed on Thursday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern. All right. And if people stuck around after the recording, what would they hear afterwards? Ooh, Thursdays are a very, very heavy day. So Thursday nights after Guard Frequency, there is the Starcast. After that, there is DJ Rowe, which is one of our resident DJs that is on air starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. And then on Friday nights, there is my show, which is the Friday night show, as we call it, where uh, the track record has been every two weeks we give away a ship. We do have a contest that's a little special this week, but if they visit the website, they'll see all the details. Cool. Uh, Following on the Monday, we have uh, Zane, which is also my co-host on Friday Night Show. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, it's another heavy day, we have Cosmic Badger at 5 p.m. Eastern, and then we have uh, DJ Raul Duke at 9 p.m. Eastern. So just about every day of the week, uh, starting at 5 p.m. Eastern, you've got some kind of show on, on the base. That's correct. And right now, we are looking at two new DJs slowly ramping into the show. They're currently in their trials, and we are still getting some emails in for more people that want to join. So it's, it's, it's going to grow. So, what got you interested in Star Citizen to begin with? The Anvil Aerospace commercial. Perfect. <laughs> with the Ornit. That was, that, essentially, as soon as I saw that on uh, Kotaku, uh, the website I visit quite often, fell in love with that, bought right away a package, and that was in November, if I'm not mistaken, right before the whole LTI thing collapsed. So, yeah, it was a pretty intense month, because in December I had the radio station started. So is this your first web radio venture, or have you done this before? Actually, I have done this before. I have done some DJing for EVE Radio, which is for EVE Online, from 2007 to 2009. I had to stop because of the time zone issues, and they have a very strict schedule, which, sadly, if you can't fit your show between certain other people, you won't be able to have a slot. So I had to drop. And when Star Citizen came about, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for a radio station, and I decided I'd start my own. All right, well, we're happy to be aboard Thursday nights, 5 p.m. Eastern. And Rico, thanks for stopping by. That's a pleasure, guys. All right. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get taken home with me. Our crowdfunding update for April 19th, 2014, $42,576,000. Whoa, three-quarter of a million dollar jump since last week. We're nearly to the next stretch goal. We're over halfway to the $43 million stretch goal in the space of a week. So well done, guys. You know, there seems to be zero alpha slots left. It took a week longer than I predicted, but they are now gone. But fear not, you late bloomers. Certain packages are now coming with Arena Commander module passes. That will get you into the dogfighting module, but not into the future sub-modules like the first-person shooter, planet side, etc. You'll have to buy $5 passes for each of those different test modules as they come out. And we've got just over 435,000 registered users, kind of back to our usual pace, seven or 8,000 people every week. So with another stretch goal target smashed through comes another letter from the chairman. Fans of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, we're going to be getting an updated observist guide. 
an Explorer class Moby Glass rig, which is a kit that will come preloaded with info that those who've missed out on the early backer phase will have to barter for and fill on their own time, and a brand new ship, the Gladius from Aegis Dynamics. This will be the first fighter taken from concept to cryengine right here in the UK. Officially designated as a light fighter, the Gladius is the UEE's reigning light short-range patrol fighter. A single-seat ship with absolutely no room for expansion, the Gladius is fast, maneuverable, and capable of punching far above its weight. The main advantage to the design is simplicity. Cheap to produce, easy to repair, and outfit, and quick to train new pilots on. The Gladius is an aging design nearing the end of its life cycle, although constant updates have kept it the most nimble fighter in the active fleet. Comparing this ship to the Mustang, as we ran down in last week's Nuggets for Nuggets, this almost feels like an opposite type of craft. Still a single-seat fighter, but rather than being weak and speedy, it's nippy and vicious. And for the $44 million goal, we're getting stellar cartography. And we shall quote from the post, Walk among the distant horizons you've charted in Star Citizen's dedicated Map Room, featuring a 3D holographic representation of the known universe. Your Map Room will start with a basic guide to the United Empire of Earth, and will expand into something that is unique to you as you explore uncharted worlds and discover new secrets. Build the most in-depth universe map possible and show it off to visitors, or lock down your secret jump points and hidden trading posts so that no one else can follow. In Time for the Chairman, episode 16, Chris answers more questions from the subscribers. There's always a ton of interesting information in these episodes, but rather than running down the whole thing, we're just going to bring you our highlights. This week, we find out that the Idris may no longer be able to fit inside of a hangar. Shocking! Since the redesign, the team have been hard at work to figure out the mechanics, but nothing's been decided yet. We also get confirmation that the procedural generation system will be extended to systems, asteroid fields, and much more than just planets, meaning you'll be able to mine a mineral seam directly out of asteroids, thanks to the implementation of a voxel-based destruction system. NPC won't be an infinite resource, and the numbers will fluctuate depending on the economy of the local system, amongst other minor factors. So sadly, you won't be able to wipe out that planet where the hookers stole your money. And the only time we're likely to see the genocide of a race would be if CIG coordinated. We're also given updates on the person of interest system. You'll be able to take people you want to keep an eye on, and the various authorities and offices will alert you to that person's movements, such as leaving a planet or entering a system, etc. So you'll be able to use the POI system as a friends list. Tony says, no, you won't. No, you won't. And I agree. Really, guys? Because I, really? I think this is the exact thing that the point of interest system could be used for. No. Nope, nope, nope. Whereas a friends There's... list, the game system just alerts you to whenever someone's on or moves around or whatever. But in a person of interest list, there will be in-game mechanisms for people to obscure your person of interest list. Like if someone is in good with a certain guild, they may be able to spoof your person of interest list or something like that. This is not a friends list. And I I think it all boils down to the fact that Chris Roberts, when you log into this Chris Roberts game, you're leaving 21st Century Earth. He does not want to have any sort of interoperability between 21st century Earth and 30th century Empire of Earth. Finally, ships aren't going to be the only thing that will have damage level of detail. As we hear, the player character has full limb-based localized damage. And it's Chris's hope that players will want to be medics that go and patch people up after battle. On Wingman's Hangar number 66, we hear that NPCs can level up in their career paths. You know, if you listen to our interview with Rob Irving, 
You'd already know that. But there will be intrinsic limits. Not everyone gets to be a level 10 gunner. Not everybody gets to be an astronaut. Some people have to be fry cooks. That's just the way the world is. And in the baking module that is the $140 million stretch goal, when you have your oven on your constellation, that'll actually come in handy. The advocacy is going to fulfill much the same role as Concord and Eve. You won't be corrupting the server police for your own nefarious ends. We're not sure yet if the Idris will be able to land on a planet. Well, we already heard that they might not fit it into a hangar. You might not even get it into the atmosphere. HUDs can be customized a little bit, but not redesigned from scratch. Missiles will be dodgeable, whether by simply just outlasting their programmed lifespan or outrunning their fuel capacity. So a skilled pilot with a fast ship might not need to resort to countermeasures. Don't count on merit badges for all your unlocked achievements. Yes! Oh, man, that makes me so excited. Hey, achievement unlocked! However, having a good relationship with certain guilds and groups may give you access to different, better, harder missions. So save your nickels and dimes, your pounds and your pennies for high-G poopy suits, kids. If you want to pull more Gs in Persistent Universe, you're going to need to wear the right stuff. And finally, a little bit of bad news. Chris Roberts has nixed the idea of any swag. Well, we'll just have to find other ways to preserve our happy memories from the dogfighting module reveal. Aww. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide, which we'll soon be checking out on our Glass, we learn all about the Odin system. Geologists believe that the system used to support life, but that all went south when Odin's star collapsed into a white dwarf, stripping the atmosphere of the planets in the Goldilocks zone and engulfing anything closer. The UEE had hoped that Odin would become a mining hub, but due to the lack of jump transit points and some unique stellar phenomena, This idea was quickly abandoned, and the system was relegated to being a weapons testing system. Featuring an asteroid belt with a lot of heavy minerals that make it a very attractive spot for prospectors, the belt is where you will find some of these unusual stellar phenomena. Arc charges. (gasps) Oh, and the pirates. Don't forget the pirates. Couple that with the insane amount of asteroid debris, and you can see why the UEE advises steer clear. For more information, be sure to check the links in our show notes. Nobody ever made a living in space that didn't regret it. It's all warmongers and thieves up there. Nobody worth knowing. So when you've had your fill of adventure, scurry back home. I'll keep your spot behind the bar warm for that day you get some sense behind that thick skull of yours. A father's last words to his child as sorry Lyrax leaves the nest to make a name among the stars. This latest fiction from RSI, we're brought a new series, The First Run, a sorry Lyrax delivery. Much like Dateline Sezin, it definitely shows a promising start and is really worth checking out. You can find episode one of the first run over on the Robert Space Industries website or through the links in our show notes. Chris Roberts catches up with the teams in the ninth episode of The Next Great Starship to see how they are progressing and to give some one-on-one feedback. We uh, saw entries from Four Horsemen, Team Troika, One Bit Amoeba, Talon Corporation, Infinite She-Monkey, and Shard Collective. So, uh, guys, I thought maybe we'd bring back our old format one at a time and Four Horsemen coming. Uh, This is the ship that I've always considered to have the staple guns for engines on the side. Mm -hmm. They're not quite so staple gunnish anymore, as far as I'm concerned. No, they look... Uh, more like uh, hair curlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, kind of, they've, they've changed a bit, yeah. So mm. I've liked the direction they've taken. This is the one that had the cargo crane that came out the back. He's got that working pretty good now. I think he's one of the front runners. 
Yeah, it's definitely a very interesting design. It's come a long way as well since, like you said, when they saw those massive staple guns. So I'm really glad they've reduced the size of them because it actually looks stable and manageable now. Yeah. I'm sorry, this still looks to me like something out of Japanese anime. Actually, Ghost in the Shell comes immediately to mind when I see this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not thrilled about this design yet. Well, we'll just have to see how that goes then. All right, and now let's move on to the entry from Team Troika. You know, we've mentioned before on the show that there's a little bit of bad blood about perhaps the uh, the state of this ship not being as far along, at least in the traditional sense, as the other entries. And I think that trend is uh, continuing even now. Yeah, you can see that they have taken a lot of the feedback on board and they have altered their designs, but they're still not fundamentally changing their workflow process, which no. I, I still don't know how I feel about this because... They seem to be operating outside the rules of the competition, but still being allowed inside the competition. But I, I guess time will tell on this one. As for the actual ship, it kind of reminded me of one of those, I don't know the proper name for it, but the, the big battle destroyers from Star Wars, but with a little yeah. funkiness going on on the back. It's yeah. certainly not one of my favorite designs. It looks like a couple of things yeah. have been mashed together. I can describe this. <laughs> it's robot vomit. <laughs> I don't know, it's too chunky for vomit. I don't know. I don't well, know. imagine a robot <laughs> coughing up something out of a dinner. This is uh, exactly what it looks like. Okay. I, I mean, I can't believe these guys are still in the competition after all of that. I mean, this thing, what is this? Well, I'd like to come up with a better description than robot vomit, but I can't. I'd like to, I'd like to, not, I, I can't top it. I'm sorry. Just another, like, slight detail that I've been trying to figure out what each part does. And if you look at the shot of the main plane, the one, like, right in the middle, at the very, very back between the two, tail fins. Is it wearing a top hat? No, that's that's Mr. Fusion. You put the banana peels and the beer in there, and oh, you get 1.21 oh, gigawatts. Magic bullet. Yeah, could be, could be. I think I like to think of it as Mr. Fusion, though. Next up, we have one bit amoeba. I've never liked this one because of his sideways turrets, and I'm still not liking it very much. I like the sideways turrets. I'll tell you why. They don't shoot at each other. Okay, that, that that's a good point. You could solve that shooting at each other problem by putting one on the top and one on the bottom, like most other people have seemed to have done. Yes, but I can roll over, too, and shoot from the bottom. <laughs> then my bottom becomes the top. That's right, and then you have nothing protecting your bottom, which is now your top. I like this ship. It's not my favorite. I hope it stays in the running and continues to develop. But I do like the idea and, and the silhouette and some of the placements of things. I'm really torn with this one because I like it, but I feel like I shouldn't. Because there's <laughs> so much that I, I don't agree with. But like Jeff says, I want them to stay in the running. They're not my favorite, but I don't hate it. But I feel like I should. And this is causing me a massive quandary, so I'm going to have to go and go for some tea and crumpets now. Okay. And now we move on to Talon Corporation. And oh my god. Yes. This one, I like this shit. This one yeah, is in, this one. This one and three dingo are are in my opinion the ones to beat at this point. This one has come so far from the original design, and now it looks just evil. I mean, this one is ready to kill you. This yep. is Darth Vader's personal. Yes, plan. Darth Vader and Darth Maul had a baby, and this is what it is. Look at all the spikes <laughs> coming off the top, and it's got the mask that's pointed at you, and like oh, guns yeah. everywhere. Yeah, no, this one, 
wow. I chose the front elevation because this is the one where Chris Roberts kind of said, now this is menacing. Menacing is a, that's a polite word to describe what this thing is doing to you when it's looking at you like this. This is, yeah. menacing is a nice way to put it. It is mean. It just looks so rough and it does look like it's about to tear you a new one. There's no polite conversation to be had with this ship at all. You know that when you see this coming, it's just going to tear up a place, drop the Marines off and get, I want one. I want one. (laughs) Yes. The one thing that I'm really pleased about is I was saying this before that there's certain teams like Troika which are established and they have their own way of doing things and they're not going to change to accommodate this competition. You can clearly see with Talon, he produced the design, the judges berated it and gave all the feedback and he went, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take this. I'm going to really bring it on board. I'm going to improve on my designs. And he's just come back and just produced an amazing ship. Yes. Just in terms of... internal progression has just gone so much further than someone like Troika. Yes. And it's just really good to see the development. It's the two the yeah. It's the two-way communication just like you're talking about. Yeah. He puts out something they say no, not good enough. He says, "Oh, let me take your criticisms and fix what I've done." And just wow. His interior, he spent a long time in his interior too and it's all it all looks good. Mm. So he's he's definitely one of the front runners as far as I'm concerned. All right, moving on to Infinite Hue Monkey. I'm not a fan of this at all. It has some nice touches and looks kind of RSI, but it doesn't look like a gunship to me. It looks more like a carrier, and I think that's probably due to the way that the body is very low profile, wide and flat, whereas it should be like stunty. It should remind you more of a pit bull, in my opinion, whereas this reminds me more of an eagle. It's a good design. It's a good ship. It's just not a gunship. I have to agree. I said it before that this was more like a fighter than a gunship, and my opinion hasn't really changed. Yeah, I agree. Again, good. It's a good design. I mean, it's it's just not a gunship. I say they double or triple the size of this thing and make it the Corvette. Yeah, this is this is a Corvette. I mean, if if you blow this thing up to double the size, it's the replacement for the Idris. Now that the Idris is a frigate, that's what they should do with this thing. And the final team, Shard Collective, and their uh, gunship gentlemen. What do you think? In the real world, if Gunship met Huey, this would be the Huey of the Marine Corps. Yeah. It's not impressive. It's not overpowered. It looks like a service ship. 100,000 of these, and they haul everything from Marines to, you know, whatever. It's not impressive. It's a good design, and it's a good utility vehicle, but it just doesn't stand out for me. Yeah, there's there's nothing particularly great about it. Again, like you said, it's not a bad design. It's just run-of-the-mill. It's nothing exciting. Yeah, I think the things that he did to try to make it slightly different, like there's a docking collar on the back, you know, the, the tail is actually like a docking boom, and you know the, the cant of the engine housings and the sideways turrets, those turrets that are at an angle, I just all the things that he tried to do to make it like interesting just didn't. And it might have been better if he had gone full-on utility ship, like Jeff's saying, and just made everything just vanilla, straight angles, and gone with it like that. Oh, do we want to talk about Dan Geesling? Um, I don't want to talk about Dan Geesling. I don't really care. Why? I, I, why is this guy... I mean, the team community person ambassador guy, and he stopped in to... Um, Introduce a video. What? Um, what is that? What he did? What did he do? I don't know. I don't know. Why was How he is, there? Why is he there? I guess that's the first of our two community questions this week. Uh, what should Dan Geesling do? Let's give him a job. What should his task be? Let us know in the show notes or on our post on the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. And our next more serious community question is: Out of this batch, who's your favorite next great starship? 
I think we've picked your uh, talent corp. We've singled them out as our front runner. But uh, let us know if you think we're wrong. We could be. Again, let us know in the fan site sub forum on our show post or on guardfrequency.com below this week's show notes. And if you guys can't get enough of fan-created starships, then also be sure to check out this week's fan spotlight on the Robert Space Industries website, featuring four other player-made ship designs from teams that are not entered into the next great starship, but ones that caught the devs' attention nonetheless. So yeah, again, check it out on the Robert Space Industries website, or the links will be in our show notes. So, gents, I've, I've, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask... Where the f*** is the dogfighting module? I saw it in Boston. I know it was there. It was there a little while ago. Did we lose it? I think so. I I can remember it was put on the roof rack, and we we drove down the the motorway. There was a dogfighting module? Yeah, there was. Well, there was, but Lennon put it on the rack, and I had an extra bungee cord. Was that supposed to hook onto something? That was. That was supposed to hook onto the dogfighting module. Okay. Okay, Probably have to backtrack. Actually. Yeah, we'll backtrack. It's probably lying in a ditch somewhere covered in roadkill, but that's not a problem. So this is our little section of the show where we like to tell you what we've been up to to pass the time during the dogfighting module reveal and the arrival of the dogfighting module, which is mid-May, Sometime. I think is our best guess Ish. at yeah. the moment. Yeah. So uh, this week I've been playing a game called Banished, and if anybody out there has played Banished, then um, you just know how much it will ruin your life. If you're into RTS games and city builders, this this really is a cool game. It's very much like Age of Empires style of city building. You have to click a house and then click on it and it puts it down and then they come and they build it up. So it's more like that style than it is the Civ style. But they've taken out the combat of the Age of Empires style RTS games and replaced it with a lot more realism. As a result, though, it is just one of the best city building games I've ever played and I have lost countless hours over it. It is just Amazing, uh, Jeff. What have you been up to this week? Well, uh, more SWOTOR fun. Star Wars: The Old Republic. I got invited by a, a group of real humans, and unlike unlike other people, real humans have a tendency to you know talk and chat and play nice and be real people and <laughs> have manners and have intelligence. And I was quite rather enjoying it. So that is the so best part about being on the internet. Nobody knows you're a duck. Well, and I have been flushing most of my playing hours down the FTL Advanced toilet. Thanks, Lennon. And now you're telling me I have to buy Banished, too. So, uh, yeah, so that'll, that'll be... Every time I listen to you, you're right. And then I lose hours and sleep. And so I'm not, I'm afraid to buy Banished, but I'm probably going to have to. Well, that's why I don't listen to Lennon. You shouldn't. You're, you're a smart man. Now, see, the thing is, though, I listened to Jeff, and I asked him last week about the Ace Combat game, and it was really cheap. Should I get it in? I took his advice, and I thought, yeah, why not? If there's one thing I figured out is that I am rubbish at dogfighting. I am just, Uh-oh. when it comes to the release, I am going to be so screwed. It, it took me 45 minutes to get out of the intro mission, at which point I thought, I'm really not cut out for real-life flight sims. So, uh, yeah, hopefully when the dogfighting module comes along, there will be enough cool for a medic. Lennon, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay as long as you don't attempt mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you know I was looking forward to that, man. <laughs> well, with that little bit of awkwardness there and the latest news updates from CIG done, let's get back to basics and hear everything about the Avenger from Aegis Dynamics in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! 
Hello, Sits and Sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets. This is our section of the show where we delve into the mechanics of Star Citizen, and we give you all the gory details from the inside out. Bit of a fair warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so all the information given is subject to change. This week, you all told us we want to hear about the Avenger. So, everything you could ever want to know about the Avenger from Aegis Dynamics. The Aegis Avenger has a long and storied life as the standard patrol craft of the UEE advocacy. Although aging, the Avenger features a sturdy, reliable hull and the capacity for larger-than-expected engine mounts. It avoids more specialized weapons in favor of a single centerline gun mount, which makes it something of a marksmanship. Police Avengers support enhanced scanner suites in the service of their patrol duties, and the civilianized models retain a higher amount of computer memory than similarly-sized spacecraft. The UEE Navy continues to use the Avenger as a standard training spacecraft, and any pilot serving today is likely to have spent at least 300 hours qualifying in an Avenger before moving on to their combat assignment, which means that even if you're not pledged for it, we'll be getting very familiar with this ship as she'll be what we're flying in Squadron 42. As more and more advocacy offices are now using the police variant of the M50 Interceptor, used Avengers have started flooding the market, and criminals everywhere have begun to adopt these Avengers for their own needs, finding that the larger-than-average cargo hold and engines make an ideal bootlegging spacecraft. But that's just one side of the coin. The Aegis is also a favorite of the bounty hunters for the very same reasons. So let's get to the specs. 19 meters long, tip to tail. She's only a teeny tiny bit bigger than Aurora, but a full meter higher and a whopping seven tons heavier, putting her more in line with the Hornet and the 300i. However, unlike the Aurora, Hornet, and the 300i, she can carry up to 10 tons of cargo. She comes equipped with one TR-5 primary thruster and eight TR-1 maneuvering thrusters. Also, she can equip a shield with a max rating of three, which is uh, celery in the metric system. I got that one right this time, didn't I, Lennon? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. And also comes with a uh, one class one and two class three weapon points, better known as one fixed point gun and two missile pods. She's designed to be swift and slick to get to her mark and capture her bounty. You know, I think of this as the basic wing commander ship that we all, you know, played the wing commander games. She was the ship that you probably spent a lot of time in. It's quite a unique history being an ex-police vehicle, which is now being used as a training vehicle for the military. And I think it's also pretty good that you've kind of got this light side and dark side of the coin going on where pirates will want to use it because it's quick and it has cargo space. Bounty hunters will want to use it because it's quick so you can intercept people and it's got the cargo space so you can transport them back to wherever you want to go. It's just a really nicely designed ship that seems to fit the market both sides of that coin. And you know it looks pretty good as well. It looks really sleek. I love the curves of the front and the big view that you'll get from the cockpit because it's just a sheet of solid glass all the way up the canopy. Well, that's our thoughts on the Avenger and everything that we know so far. So why don't we tune into the feedback loop and hear what you have to say. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Thanks to all our new listeners and those who are listening to us live on the base. Actually, we're not live, we're recorded. Eh, close enough. All right. So, Saudian, I know that they've said this before, but... I have no idea. Saladian. That's your name from now on. Saladian writes in and says, Once again, great show, guys. The DFM was great. The presentation was poorly done. It was posted somewhere in the forums that the Boston server had gone down right before the show had started, so they had to scramble to link and to patch into the Austin server, which, of course, had a newer build on it, which is why the multiplayer didn't work. 
In my opinion, they should have had a nice polished video ready to go as a backup to play if the presentation failed. There is no question that we are in for the ride of our lives for flight sims. Also, they should never mix alcohol with rabid fanboys. Bad things can happen, like the pros in the crowd. Well, yeah, never... that's a very good point, obviously. Yeah. You really shouldn't yeah, mix don't... alcohol in Boston, but that <laughs> happens all the time. I've never been to Boston, and I, I don't think I want to anymore. They have a reputation. I so a, I've a bit. heard. A bit. <laughs> Yes, but uh, this is a good point, though. I'm surprised that they didn't have some sort of backup video ready to roll in case things went a little bit sideways. I think they just poured everything into trying to make it go. Again, in their defense, if this is correct, then it was working just fine until the local server went down and they had to patch into Austin. So, you know. Oh, well, like I said. And I can test the technical difficulties live on the night. I had a half hour of technical difficulties myself at the beginning of this recording. So it's it's just going to happen. John Newboy drops in to say, awesome episode, everyone. Snowman takes a moment to say, I disagree with your conclusions regarding the Mustang. It may end up a highly maneuverable gunship, guaranteed to be underestimated and probably lethal in the hands of a skilled pilot. Oh, quite possibly. And if a red shirt could ever get his phaser drawn, then crazy monsters would be in big trouble. But no, I don't think so. And via the Robert Space Industries forums, Nexus writes, this one is for Jeff. Majorly, 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 and majorly. As always, love the show and great job. Thanks for the chuckles. All right, majorly. (laughs) Rico says, good stuff, guys. I got to say, I love the bloopers you guys keep for the end. And on Twitter, we hear from the Ludophil. He writes in to say, enjoying the podcast, certainly on a par with what's produced by at Robert's Space Industry. Whoa, thanks. Also, that 3D map by Daughter of Soul, hashtag nerdgasm. And he goes on to say, the best parts of Guard Frequency felt like I was sitting in my ship listening to an in-universe radio broadcast. Cool. Wow. We we aim to please. He gets like two points for the. That's like... Two high, high compliments. Thank you, sir. In fact, I hate doing this, but I'm going to have to say for for Ludafil, achievement unlocked, right there. I don't know yes. what achievement. Yes, he can have two. Here comes another. Yes, two achievements of whatever they are. We'll we'll name them later. How did we do? Should we win the next great podcast, or would you like to vote us right off the verse? Let us know. Here are some ways that you can get in touch with us. Check us out on our forum post at forumsrobertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com and you can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or you can just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com, S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 19 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 20 on the 29th of April. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at GuardFrequency.com or our post over at the Robert Space Industries fan site forums. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit our contact form at the top of our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in our show notes. Do you like what we do? You want to come join the team? No. If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com and don't listen to Lennon. Don't listen to Lennon. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals, and especially Lennon is right now because he's seeking an audio engineer to come on board and join us. So if you'd like to be part of the best damn space sim podcast ever and don't listen to Lennon, we'd love to hear from you. 
And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robberspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, then hey, come and join us live at guardfrequency.com slash live. We broadcast at 8 p.m. Central. That's 2 a.m. Sunday GMT. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Thanks to our community manager, Jay Chivalry Bean, and artist Simon Charlton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Stripping the atmosphere of the planets of the Hapalu zone and engulfing anything close. Hang on, go back, go back to stripping. Go back to stripping. <laughs> go back to stripping. Yeah, go back. Yeah, Jeff, <laughs> yeah, this podcast, <laughs> this podcasting thing ain't working out for you. I'm sure you'll make way more money at stripping. And the civilianized models retain a higher amount of computer memory than similarly similarly from my background. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to get the. I'll tell you, youngster, if it ain't broke. You don't fix it. And the rest of the show in three, two. Oh, I guess I go first. All right, thanks everybody for shut up. Shut up. Had <laughs> <laughs> to do my thing. Also, they should never mix alcohol and rapid rapid fanboys. Mm. Rapid fanboys are very bad. That's Jeff's turn. <laughs> <laughs> Just turn it. Rabid Lenin, it's rabid. Rico says, good stuff, guys. I gotta say, I love the bloopers you guys keep up. And with that, you've just made another blooper. <laughs> and by a word? Yes. Well, yes the thing is, Jeff, with, with, with all the money that you're going to be earning from stripping, you'll be able to <laughs> buy as many words as you like for next week's show. Go back yeah. to stripping. <laughs> That's gonna pay me as much as this show does, which is Oh yes. You'll be, yeah, you'll be Hey, as long as you don't have to pay for the privilege, I think you're doing alright. The latest <clears throat> Whoa. Yeah, Easy sorry. there. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna vomit out this one. Do you have any more words, Jeff, or or, or have words failed you? Uh, words have failed me. I I cannot believe that they come this far with this ship. I, I'm just Oh, I think my heart is palpitating from all the <laughs> Take your pill! Take your pill! <laughs> <laughs> no, not that pill, Jeff. Not the other pill! Not the blue pill, right? We'll call the <laughs> yeah, don't, you don't need a blue pill with this with this machine, man. If you need a blue <laughs> pill looking at this machine, you got problems. you got serious problems. You know, I don't need a blue pill for that one. In live Radioland, I'm going to tell you a little story. Oh, okay. World War II.
everybody has to learn about it in school. And one day the teacher says to the class, class, we are very, very honored to have with us Mr. Schmidt. He has come in to tell you about, about his experiences during the war. And he's very interesting because he fought on the English side, but he was originally from Germany. So, um, Mr. Schmidt, you were, you were in the Air Force, correct? And he replies, Oh yeah, I, I was in the Air Force. And then the teacher asks him, okay, well, why don't, why don't you tell us one of your stories? He's like, okay, I've, I will tell you one of my stories. I, I was flying along and I was in the plane and I see this nasty fucker come up on the right hand side <laughs> and a nasty fucker come up on the left hand side. And I thought those look like some nasty fuckers. So I dropped down behind. I did a swift loop round. I got one of them in my sights and I thought I shot him and I thought that got that fucker. And then the other fucker, he come round behind. He tried to get in my six, but I do not let him because I am very skillful pilot. So I loop back around. I drop back behind. I get him right in my sights. I fire once. I fire twice. I shoot the fucker on the wing. The fucker goes to the floor. I say, there is, that is what you get, you stupid fucker. And the teacher's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to have to stop you a second just to explain to the class a fucker is a type of German warplane. Isn't that right, Mr. Schmidt? And he says, oh yeah, the Fokker is a German warplane, but these f*** are Messerschmitts. <laughs> <laughs>